Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Straight ahead on the insiders, buckle up. Seatbelts could be a requirement on school buses. We'll look at just how much has changed since we rode along on one less than two years ago. Plus, Iowa employers struggle to find those skilled workers. But see how one company found success by luring a man from Portland, Oregon. And in the Insider's Quick 6, smart watches, smartphones, Generation Z is the technology generation. Find out what they'll want before they take a job. Welcome to the Insiders. Now, perhaps your summer plans include a new job or learning new skills for a new job or maybe hiring some new workers. More job openings than unemployed people means that Iowa is trying to convince people who already live here to upskill and then others who do not live here to move here. One man in Pella shows what's possible. Most of us have no idea what these are or have any clue what people do with these. But Tyler Smith does. These are our weld cells. And this is his new favorite place, coded in his new favorite color, yellow. Very proudly called Vermeer Yellow. Precisely, Vermeer Yellow. Smith is one of Vermeer's 2,700 employees in Pella. He's a good worker. Did you make sure to sign your checklist for today? He goes around making sure employees here on the floor get the world-renowned agricultural and industrial products where they need to go, just like they've been doing here for the past seven decades. Tell your prepper that when this comes through, they need to make sure that it's not resting on it. But Vermeer doesn't want you to know about Smith because of his work performance, but rather because he's working here at all in Iowa. It was starting to get a little too big for its britches, I think. It was Portland, Oregon, and Smith had had enough of the traffic, disappointing schools, and expensive housing. There was some things that weren't quite so desirable. So being that we had our two small children, we decided that we wanted to go to a more wholesome place, a little bit more family-oriented. And so we kind of opened the door to explore new possibilities and... The more we looked into it, we found Pella, Iowa, this place we've never heard of before, and just totally fell in love with the culture and the, the pace of everything. So as a little boy, you didn't dream one day of living in Iowa? I, you know, as a little boy, I don't know if I could have pointed to Iowa on the map. But I, being here now, I wish I would have found it sooner. Let's face it, Iowans love their state fair. And they're proud of their cyclones, Hawkeyes and Panthers, and that amazing ability to raise so much corn, beans, hogs, and eggs. But that might be all that some people outside this state know about Iowa. It's not been a popular career destination. The last, I'd say, three years have, has been has been a challenge. Mary Andringa is the chair of the board of this company that her father founded. And staffing this family business is about as tough as it's ever been, especially when the state unintentionally exports its most valuable product, students. What is it going to take for these kids who go to our good schools and then want a beach or a 
mm -hmm. big city or a mountain or whatever the heck they want to leave. You know, I, th I think it's keeping the opportunities in front of them. It's, it's why we love the internship program, um, because some of those students are in the four-year run and they may go elsewhere but they also may come back at some time. Vermeer of course prefers that young Iowans don't leave in the first place so it offers internships for students and summer workshops for teachers to try to get more people to better understand manufacturing but the company knows it'll take more than that for this state's future. Our population hasn't grown a whole lot in a long period of time. And then we also continue to be rank in the lower states as far as the diversity of our population. So the biggest problem is how do we get more people here? And then how do we make sure that we have enough workers to uh, train, to feed the economy going forward? This is four bedrooms for just shy of 500. Really? Wow. Mm -hmm. What? Where's this? Governor Kim Reynolds hopes her new This Is Iowa campaign sells outsiders on the benefits of living in Iowa. All of these properties are in Iowa. Oh my gosh, okay, I'm <laughs> Of course, the state still doesn't have those breathtaking ocean views or mountain climbs like some other states, but it does have little traffic, plenty of land, a strong work ethic, and a surprising but emerging foodie scene. Considering uh, many people around the country don't realize the culture and lifestyle that we have to offer, this campaign will showcase all the great things Iowa has to offer visitors and residents like amazing local restaurants. While state leaders hope a new image will attract a new workforce, they also hope Iowans willing to upskill will help to fill those hard to fill middle skill jobs and they realize that could be tough for some people to embrace. I already work full time and I have kids and everything. The thought of taking night classes or online classes or whatever, I just don't know I can do it, not to mention the additional cost. What is the most practical way we can effectively upskill that talent pool to get what we need? If they're looking for a pathway that would help them if they had a two or four year degree, they don't have to, but if it might be a pathway that that would help them for um, to realize it is going to take time and to prioritize it. When we get them into our fixtures and to make sure that they are welded up properly before they go on to our park. Tyler Smith already committed to his priority, and that was getting his family to a better environment that Iowa offered. Although two years later, he admits the new life in Pella still doesn't seem quite real. You see this place that almost looks fake with how clean it is and how, how energetic it is and all of the Dutch costumes and you see tulip time and you say this, this is a town, this isn't Disneyland, this isn't, you know, this isn't some made up place. So the more we looked into it, the more we decided, you know what, Pella is, Pella is where we want to be. Andringa says it used to be especially difficult for the company to find welders. Now, it's still not easy, but apprenticeships across the state have helped more people become welders. Now the most critical position for Vermeer to fill, painters. Now, she says every week she has dozens of job openings, painters and otherwise, that her company needs filled. We have, well, on our job, VermeerJobs.com, we'll have anywhere from 50 to 100 openings. About 40% of those were able to fill with internal candidates, which has been part of our mantra since my dad started the company, trying to give people opportunities to grow from within, to be promoted from within. But 
there are more jobs than we have people for. Earlier, she mentioned the importance of how internships can lead to jobs for the company. Now, Tyler Smith didn't need one of those, but an internship did convince a Chicago resident what Iowa could offer and the difference between living in a city of 2.7 million people in Chicago and about 10,000 in Pella. You know, one thing it's people don't have as good of idea about what Iowa is all about, the quality of life. I mean, we had a young man who came as a intern and, and then continued full time. And he had been an intern in Chicago. And he said, I love Iowa. I can get to work in 10 minutes. It took me an hour and a half each way when I was in Chicago. So not everybody's interested in that, but some people are. You know, so it's trying to really do a better job of public relations, I think, on what are the um, quality of life issues that are awesome in the state of Iowa, including a lot of the recreational kinds of things and, and you know, just quality of life in general. So I, I think that is one thing we have to do to, to try to attract folks from uh, other states and even from the coasts. Some numbers can impact what is happening and not happening in our state. Up next, unemployment, and pay and what they could mean for the workforce. The Iowa Business Council puts together what it calls its competitive dashboard of the business landscape. Now, if you go way back, the state's population was top 10 back in 1900, but it has plummeted over the years to the lower third nationally now. Business Council found that the economy is strong here and unemployment is really, really low. On the positive side, our economy is strong. So our gross state product increased by $11 billion last year. Uh, median household income went up by 2,000. We have more people in the workforce now than we ever have. But you couple that with our low unemployment rate at 2.4%, I believe we're the number one state. And our biggest problem is, is that we don't have the workforce to continue to feed our growing economy in the state. We have a high high school graduation rate. In fact, we rank number one. Um, we have a lot of students that go to school in the state of Iowa, but then they don't necessarily stay here because they don't understand the opportunities that we have. The Business Council found that diversity is sorely lacking in Iowa's workforce and that is hampering business growth. But what about paychecks? If Iowa companies paid better, would out-of-staters be more inclined to move here? Well, the minimum wage is lower here, seven and a quarter per hour is lower than every border state except for Wisconsin. And then look at these numbers from the U.S. Census Bureau. The median household for Iowans is less than $57,000. That's about $1,100 less than the national average, and it's less than most of the neighboring states. Households in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Nebraska all have higher median incomes. The only bordering states that Iowa tops are Missouri and South Dakota. Van Gundy downplayed pay as a reason, though, that people don't want to work here. Really, it is about understanding the opportunity that's here. Not necessarily the pay, but just knowing the types of jobs that are in Iowa. Um, if you haven't come from Iowa, oftentimes they think that we're an agriculture state and those are the types of jobs that are here. So as businesses, we need to do a better job of really talking about the insurance industry, the manufacturing industry, um, the technology industry that we have, bioscience, so that we can help individuals understand that those opportunities are here because we have a great quality of life and low cost of living as well in this state. And so if you partner all of that together, it is attractive for folks, but we're just not doing a good job of telling the story. 
So what's it like for these new residents who decide to move here? When we come back, we'll ask Tyler Smith on how Iowans have treated his family and what the state needs to do better to get more people to move here. Tyler Smith, the Portland man who spent the past two years working and living in palaces, Iowa needs to target more people like himself. He thinks there are those out there who are willing and looking to make a move. So what does it take to get more people like you? I think that the best way for anywhere to be desirable is to show what it really is all about. I think that there's people all over the country that live in places that they don't really want to be. And so if there's a good way to find a good fit for you, express, hey, these are our core values. These are the things that we really care about. These are the things that we cherish. And if you come to this area, then you're going to be part of the family. You're going to be part of the community. Uh, and it, it, it really, it, it almost like warms your spirit to be in a place that you believe in and that you really want to be a part of and that wants you to be a part of it. So I think that just really showing who you are and what your community is about and having those values very prominent and very public and very outspoken, I think that that is something that is going to pull people towards wherever they might they want to go. Uh, I'm guessing your network of family and friends, were they a little disappointed in you? They were sad to see me go, but they understood why I was going. Um, when I was growing up there, it wasn't as chaotic, I guess, to put it lightly. Um, but now it just, the school systems weren't great, and the housing is crazy. And so to, to be a young family and to, to really want to have home ownership and to live in a community that you don't feel you have to lock the doors and make sure the windows are tight and just be comfortable in where you are and what you're doing and not feel the, the rush hour traffic and that eats up half your day and be able to just really live. I think that once they understood why we were doing it, they they supported us to you know, make whatever decision we decided to. We had one final question for Tyler Smith, a test of that Iowa nice. Now he says people have been great, but it has been an adjustment in Iowa. One good thing uh, is that we moved to a, a very small community. And so it was pretty easy to tell that we weren't from here. I, funny story, the first time we had a tornado drill, I literally got in my car, drove to the park, and yelled at my kids to get in the car. And the other like eight and nine-year-old kids are like, it's just a drill, don't worry about it. Uh, but I made them get in the car, and then we went and sat in my basement for two hours. Yeah, so that was different. Um, but as far as adjusting into the community, one of the hardest parts for me and my wife was just the decompression, was the not having to be so high strung and have to be almost selfish in a way to make sure that you can get your day, daily things going. So being new in the community and people understanding like, hey, I haven't seen you before. They were really outgoing, they were very nice. Uh, having children was very helpful. This community is extremely child-friendly and is family-oriented, and so there's a lot of different activities. So my friends, or my children made friends really quickly. We became friends with their parents. Uh, our neighbors were all friendly, and so it, the transition was 
quite a bit easier than I thought it's going to be. Up next, a big change that could be coming this week, and it involves a financial commitment to protecting school kids. Tuesday, the Iowa Department of Education is scheduled to recommend to the Administrative Rules Review Committee that school buses have seatbelts. This has been a long time coming. The National Association of State Directors of Pupil Transportation Services already recommended this back in 2014. New Jersey, New York, Florida, Nevada, and California already require students to buckle up on the buses, and some Iowa school districts already have buses with the seatbelts. Now, this has been a process. We've been following this since we showed what Des Moines was doing back in November of 2017. Think of your ride to school back in the day. Bet it didn't have one of these or these. This is definitely not your mother's school bus. Who am I? Miss Big Mama. <laughs> but it is Big Mama's bus and Big Mama's rule for these Des Moines youngsters. Everybody, crisscross applesauce. Okay. All right. That's Big Mama talk for buckle up. That means lap belt across the waist, shoulder strap across the chest. You know, buckling up like a big girl. Danny Johnson also makes sure the kids know the rule. Help her out a little bit. There you go. Johnson has been driving a bus for the past dozen years. Got a few gray ones. <laughs> okay, I got a lot of gray ones. <laughs> but last year was a first. His bus had seatbelts. With the seatbelts, they don't slide all over. They're in their seats. I'm, I'm sure of that. Bus 626 was one of two Des Moines Public Schools tried out for the first time last year. It was the first district in the entire state to do this. And Johnson says it meant more safety, but also less messing around. Oh yeah, it keeps them out the aisle. Keeps them from moving around. I don't have to worry about them as much. Worry can travel fast. A Chattanooga, Tennessee bus last year crashed into a tree and six elementary students died. That bus didn't have seat belts. Tennessee lawmakers are debating whether to change that. On a federal level, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration thinks buses should have seat belts, but a decade ago, it didn't. Back in 2006, an NHTSA report says buses are different than passenger cars and trucks. It's because of what it called compartmentalization. Buses, it says, already have extra protection, a protective envelope. Sturdy seats sit close together so the kids won't surge forward very far. And their taller cushioned seats can absorb the impact in case of a crash. Plus, the buses don't use all that metal inside like they used to, and that means less chance for the kids to get cut. But since then, the federal view has changed. This simulated crash shows how those seats, no matter how much taller and cushioned they are, cannot stop children from catapulting in a rollover or side impact crash. NHTSA data show that six children a year will die in school bus crashes. So in 2015, the NHTSA changed course and said yes, Buses should have seatbelts, like the ones Des Moines uses. They can better protect students. Des Moines' former top transportation official agrees. If the seatbelts can make a better day, a better drive, can make our driver have a better day, you know, at this point, we think it's worth it. Todd Liston admits there was a learning curve with the new belts on buses last year. Sometimes the drivers or older students would have to teach the younger kids how to buckle and unbuckle. But Liston said everyone quickly adjusted. So when he put in his order for eight new buses this year, he paid extra to make sure all would have seatbelts. Seatbelts add 
you know, just a, an extra a layer of, of safety on there, but it's a very expensive layer. Really expensive. A new school bus already cost him $90,000 plus. Add seatbelts. He has to add about nine grand more. So why not just add these new belts to the old buses? To retrofit a single bus, it was about $15,000 compared to the, the nine from the factory. That's one memory that I, I will always have. Robert Morris remembers what happened to his school bus in eighth grade. Unbelievable. I started yelling, you know, get to the back, get to the back. It was back in 2011. He was just blocks from his Pleasant Hill home, and Robert found himself racing to lead fellow students out of the back door of their burning bus. Everybody was just running around, freaking out. Moments after everyone escaped, the bus exploded. <laughs> if his classmates would have been buckled in that day, well, Robert just doesn't know. You're clicking your seatbelt trying to get it off. You're panicking, you're pulling on your seatbelt. Um, it, it just would have made things more complicated and uh, taken a little bit more time. Bye-bye. See you tomorrow. But back on Des Moines Bus 626, Danny Johnson sits convinced otherwise. After watching his passengers, even the youngest ones over the past year, he doesn't think seatbelts would really slow them down that much in an emergency. See, it might take them an extra minute to buckle them, but notice how fast they can unbuckle them. Couple seconds max and they're out of there. Des Moines wants seatbelts on every bus eventually. You know, just simply not feasible at this point. It's not feasible because a whole new fleet of buses with seatbelts would cost the district more than $12 million. To just retrofit the old ones with seatbelts, well, that's still nearly $2 million. And to retrofit all of Iowa's 6,100 school buses statewide, that could be a staggering 91 million. So you hate to go back and, and say that you're putting a price on safety, but you kind of are. Take your time. So until enough decision makers agree that that price fits with this safety priority, Des Moines will just buy several buses at a time until it can replace the whole fleet. Oh, I get a hug. And Big Mama will be there for some extra protection. Hasta mañana. Those school kids are part of Generation Z. Find out what they want on the job one day in the Insider's Quick Six. Generation Z was born after 1996. What Gen Z wants is our Insider's Quick Six. One, according to FastCompany.com, Gen Z is the technology generation and software engineer is the most in-demand job for that generation. Two, Gen Z wants perks on the job, work environment, flexible hours, good pay, free food, company discounts, all of those things tend to be popular with that group. Three, social media. Gen Zers are on it constantly. Companies have to use social media effectively to connect with future workers in that generation. And four, diversity. Gen Zers want to see it in social media and company videos. Diversity very important to them as the country's demographics diversify. And five, inclusive benefits. Healthcare benefits for domestic partners, regardless of gender, just one of the things important to that generation. And finally, a prediction, successful companies will adjust to meet the needs of this new growing generation. Gen Z, you remember, grew up on smartphones, not with face-to-face -face conversation, so that makes communicating far different than those other generations that came before. 
Thanks for being with us this week. Let's stay connected throughout the week. We'll see you next week for The Insiders. Thank you.